Welcome back to the Sisters in Sustainability podcast. I am your host, Victoria Lynn. This week, we are joined by yet another change maker and woman working towards creating a more sustainable world. Annette Adayobo is an advocate for autism safety and your current Miss South Lake. Annette, thank you seriously so much for joining us. I'm thrilled to have you. But before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Annette Adiobo. I am Miss Southlake 2024 in the Miss America organization and the Miss Texas organization. This is actually my second year competing in um, the MAO program. So it's really great to be back for a second year. Um, and yes, like, she, like you mentioned, my platform is all about autism safety um, and education. It's uh, It was an idea born out of my brother who actually wandered out of his high school um, during his sophomore year of high school, and my parents weren't called, no law enforcement officers were called, and had it not been for the fact that I had to call my dad to pick me up that day because my head was hurting really bad, we would have never found him. Um, my dad actually found him on the way to pick me up from school. Um, and so it was just appalling to me that I was not the only one who ever had that story. There were several other families I've met who've had young children wander out of their schools. Some of them have been lucky to find them. Others, they lost their lives. Um, and so I've dedicated my entire mission to ensuring that these stories don't continue to replicate, um, but that people really truly understand that autism awareness does include autism safety. I I am shocked. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure I appalled on your behalf that a school system would allow something like that to happen. And thank God and thank everybody else for the safety of your brother, but that's kind of a perfect transition. So can you tell me a little bit more about what autism safety is and how this type of advocacy and education differs from other methods of awareness? Yeah. So the major thing about autism safety is really focusing on wandering prevention. Um, it's estimated that about seven in 10 children on the spectrum will wander out of the safety of a caregiver or of a school. It is very, very common. But unfortunately, not a lot of school systems or even states have a you know, dedicated policy or a dedicated step-by-step you know, protocol for what to do when a child wanders. Um, and so it's a very frightening situation. You know, you're living, you're leaving your child in the care of a caretaker at school or a caretaker in the home. And many of them aren't trained on what to do when their child wanders. So many of them know, or many of them don't know that they need to call 911. Many of them don't know that they need to have preventative measures in their house outside of just locking the front door. You know, locking the door is easy, but Kids on the spectrum are very smart. They know how to unlock the doors. That did not work for my brother at all. He was wandering. He wandered out of our house a lot. Um, and locking the door just simply wasn't enough. You had to get something more high tech that involved a passcode so that he couldn't get out of the house. Um, and so that's the biggest thing for me with autism safety is it's more than just teaching people what autism is or how it can pre present itself. It's really making sure that there are protocols in place. There is step-by-step -step, um, instructions in place so that when a child wanders, it's like immediate, you know how to react, you know what to do, and hopefully be able to save their life. 
So sustainable development goal 10, this is something we talked a little bit about last season, focus on focuses on reduced inequalities and really targets bridging gaps and creating equal and equitable solutions around the world. Unfortunately, many people on the spectrum don't get adequate care, don't get adequate education. And unfortunately, our education systems just aren't built to support neurodivergent people. It's something that we're seeing an increase of in the world today. And I will say until we were having this conversation, I didn't realize that autism safety was such an important part of that education. And I'm so, first of all, I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I'm learning a lot, but I think it's going to be good for our listeners too, to kind of learn a little bit more about what this means. So talking about the grand scheme of creating equitable solutions for issues like this, how do you think that businesses and public spaces can be designed to better accommodate the the safety and, you know, needs of individuals with autism? Yeah, so that's one of the things that I'm aiming to do as myself like this year is to go into businesses, to go into schools, to go into law enforcement offices and educate them about autism safety. Um, The biggest one and biggest focus for me is law enforcement um, because they aren't often trained on what to do when a child wanders. They kind of treat it the same as, you know, a missing child case, which, you know, is is similar, you know, it's it's kind of the same. It's like, okay, my child's missing, but we have to remember that kids on the spectrum have a wide range of behaviors, a wide range of communication abilities. So someone like my brother who presents quote, normal, right? The average person seeing him walking out of a high school is not going to question that he's not supposed to be leaving. He looks like any average kid walking out of school to maybe go home. And so, you know, but he he's nonverbal. He cannot communicate. Um, and at times he may have meltdowns, especially when he's unsure of a situation or there's too much noise. And so those are different, you know, cues that law enforcement officers unfortunately aren't educated about. So when you're treating those situations like a missing child case, well, you're saying, you know, we're putting up this poster here, you know, look for this kid. Well, that kid may not want to be approached. That kid may, you know, wander away, or if somebody has very bad intentions, that kid may not know, you know, this person has bad intentions and maybe I shouldn't go in that direction. Um, And so really focusing on those issues for law enforcement officers, but also educators, caretakers, and any businesses that have kids that are on the spectrum that come in and, you know, are part of their day-to-day, you know, activities. I think that's really important to highlight those aspects that aren't often talked about when a child wanders. So in talking about what you are doing in terms of your advocacy, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the Spark Project? Yes. So the Spark Project um, is a, it's the Spark is an acronym. So it's for support, policy, advocacy, resources, and knowledge through education. Um, And so all of that put together is tied towards that autism safety awareness and education. Um, And so it's a community initiative that like I mentioned, is dedicated to autism safety, awareness, and education. And so there's different things I'm working on. So one of the things that I hope to be able to do is work with uh, local legislators to draft a law um, in honor of my brother. The plan is to call it Andrew's Law. um, And that will make mandatory wandering prevention training available to all educators and all police officers so that no matter what community you're in, especially in the state Texas, which is ranked 49th in care. Um, They, you know, these students, these uh, families of children on the spectrum can feel safe knowing that if their child were to wander, 
there is response plans available for them. Um, and kind of like what I mentioned earlier, you know, going into uh, schools and going into law enforcement to provide them those resources. Um, the plan is to partner with the National Autism Association. They have what's called the Big Red Safety Box. And it's a toolkit that you can give out to law enforcement, to educators, to loved ones. Right now, they're actually depleted of that resource. So this Giving Tuesday, actually, I helped to fundraise $100 to go towards the NAA so that they can continue that effort to you know, provide more of those kits because they can literally save others' lives. Um, and then I was able to partner with the Organization of Autism Research as their youth education leader to give a storybook presentation to young kids in elementary school so that they also are aware of what autism is and how they can be a supportive and aware peer. So I have lots of really cool things coming up in the works as well that I can't talk about just yet. But for right now, those are like the big three that I'm aiming for is Miss Southlake. That's awesome. And sticking with the theme of Miss America. So one of the things that I, I love about this organization is the fact that we were complete strangers until I reached out and asked you to be on the podcast. And yeah. this organization brings like-minded women from diverse and wildly different backgrounds all across the country together. And I mean, this is a perfect example of it, but tell me, how did you find your way into the Miss America organization? You said you've only been doing this for two years. So I got to know the story. Yeah. So shout out to TikTok <laughs> because TikTok brought me to Miss America. Um, actually, the first time I ever heard about the Miss America organization was when Mia Franklin won. Um, and I was so interested in the style of the pageant. You know, there's the talent portion. Um, at the time, there was, you know, the onstage pitch, you know, all those different things. And I was really passionate about advocacy. So I was like, oh, I want to sign up. How do I do that? Um, but at the time, I was not a United States citizen. And so I was not eligible to compete. Um, and so I kind of, you know, threw that dream away just because I always heard growing up that United States citizenship takes years, sometimes decades before you get one. Um, and so I kind of just thought, you know, maybe one day I'll join a pageant. You never know. So 2022 comes. I got my citizenship, but I didn't really think too much about joining a pageant because I was like, I'm in grad school. Let me finish that first. And then, you know, we'll see what life has for me. And then on TikTok, I saw that Avery Bishop had won Miss Texas. And I was like, oh yeah, I can do that now. And so shortly after she won Miss Texas, she held a informational session, um, you know, about how to get involved, how to get started. I went to it. It was a virtual one. Um, and I was just very inspired by the stories of the other girls that she brought to that informational. Some of them had can be had been competing for years since they were teens. Some of them had been Lone Star Princesses, which is like our princess program. Um, and others were just in it for barely a year. But they all had that similar goal in mind of higher education, of changing their community. Um, and so I showed up to Miss Dallas, which was my very first local, with literally one suitcase, my purse from work, and a trash bag to hold my garment bags because I did not have, like, I didn't have a garment bag and ended up winning Miss Dallas on my very first try. Um, and so it's been an incredible experience to be here so far. I've won almost $9,000 in scholarships just in the year and a half that I've been in the MAO program. And so I'm very, very excited for this new season. And hopefully I'll get to come back with the Miss Texas crown this year. <laughs> you know, it's so bizarre watching people compete and when they come in and, and however they perform, because I do remember when you were Miss Texas or, yeah. or not, I remember when you were Miss Dallas and I remember watching you compete that year for Miss Texas and thinking, wow, like she's incredible. And it's kind of a full circle moment that we're now here talking about this. And 
it's just really, I think what this organization does for women really doesn't need to be said, I think among candidates and delegates, we know. Um, but to anybody who's listening, who maybe, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't believe in the Miss America mission, I don't know how you got here and what you're doing here, but thanks for, (laughs) thanks for sticking with it. Um, but if you don't believe in it yet, I hope that it's, it's moments like this that allow you to believe in it. Uh, so I know that you are now Miss South Lake moving forward as you're moving forward as you're preparing to compete for Miss Texas this year, you know, what does that journey over the next year look like? I know you mentioned a little bit of what you're doing, but are there any other big projects you've got coming down the line? You know, the, it's interesting as Miss Dallas last year, I spent a lot of time in the community. I partnered with four different organizations that were nonprofits that span just a wide range of things. Um, I think this year, my main focus is really just to focus on that autism safety piece. Um, I've just, I had the privilege of being able to speak at the state capitol in Texas in May, advocating for mental health legislation, because last year my platform was about mental health. And then after my spoken word, and so many parents coming up to me and being like, you need to make this your platform. I was like, maybe you guys are right. Um, but when I went to the state capitol, I was very disappointed in the lack of bills and legislation that were targeted towards children with intellectual disabilities and autism. It was very, very disappointing. And it was even more disappointing to know that Texas is ranked among the last in the nation for autism care. And so for me this year, I really want to showcase as I prepare for Miss Texas that, you know, when I become Miss Texas, this is going to be you know, a full-fledged, full force, full steam ahead mission. Um, You know, I want to be able to transform that political landscape to put more of those legislations in, you know, in the, what's the word I'm looking for? To put more of that legislation in the forefront. Um, You know, I'm tired of people kind of putting kids on the spectrum, on the back burner, just kind of like, oh, we'll figure it out when we get there. Like nobody's figuring it out. And that's why we have so many families that are struggling on what to do with their kid. I mean, for my personal experience, my brother's living overseas because that's the only way my family can afford to get him the care that he needs because he aged out out of the programs that are in Texas. And so that is my big project really, is just to bring autism safety legislation to the forefront of Texas legislation. I think that's awesome. I know I always believe that missions are a little bit better executed when they have a root in your heart. And so it's very clear to see your heart. I'm somebody who also into competing as a miss changed my community service initiative to something that was closer to my heart. So I totally understand that idea and that feeling of wanting to represent something that although you you did care about mental health and I know we all care about mental health it's very clear to see your passion um in creating awareness for autism safety and so I am thrilled to see everything that you are going to do this next year and I'll be rooting for you as you go on to compete for Miss Texas because that's so exciting can't even imagine competing in a competition that large Pennsylvania we get like 20 maybe 30 girls Texas bless you all because that's got to (laughs) be chaos from beginning to end. Um, So wishing you all the best with that. But before we go and close out our interview today, I want to ask you one last question. And those who listen every week know that I always like to ask our, our visitors and our guests, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to a young person that wants to create positive change in the world? 
as cliche as it sounds, just do it. Like literally just do it. Um, I was told so many times throughout high school, throughout college, even after I graduated college and graduate school, that I was too young. I was too inexperienced. I don't know enough people. I, I don't have the skills. And I have just used my life story to prove over and over again that experience isn't defined by the number of years you put into work, the number of degrees you have. It's about your story. Um, I actually was part of a program at UT Austin called the Lyndon B. Johnson Women's Campaign School. Just graduated from that last week. And one of the speakers told us that the only thing that qualifies you to make a change is your story. And so I want that to be, you know, the message that people use and live by and, you know, tattoo on their heart somewhere um, to inspire change. Um, don't let anybody tell you that you need to have a certain number of things or a certain years of experience to do the work. Your story is more than enough of a reason to make a change in your community. I love that. It's not cliche to say just do it because it really is the first step to creating positive change period yeah. is to just get out there and do it. But Annette, thank you so much seriously for joining us. Yeah. This has been wonderful. I learned a lot. I hope our listeners learned a lot, but to our listeners back at home, you can learn more about Annette's mission by following her on Instagram at the sparks project org and at miss.southlake. Learn more about how you can help create positive change and achieve the United Nations 17 sustainable development goals by following us on Instagram at sisters and sustainability podcast and at sustainability starts with you join the hashtag syspod nation today and remember that sustainability really does start with you thanks for listening